Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. It's Andy Scrolls. It's episode 499.986765. And oh my God, we just experienced it. We finally saw it. We finally saw the explanation, both sort of for Monica and certainly sort of for Heather and the I. And I honestly feel like a little overwhelmed. So I'm so thankful (laughs) that um, I've had the opportunity to do these like triage style Salt Lake City apps literally right after watching the episode. I just watched it like one and three quarter times as well as uh, Watch What Happens, which sidebar, listen, not every Watch What Happens is, is, you know, historic, shall we say. This one is a absolute, I would say it's a must watch. I thought Joel Kim Booster did an incredible job of communicating his thoughts and feels about Salt Lake, all things Monica and Potomac and other franchises in a way that I don't know at some points that Andy loved because Joel was criticizing a show and not a person, but it was fantastic. So I would highly recommend um, a watch if you are able. But today was a little wild. I recorded a Patreon episode talking about many of the satchels that I've received in advance of watching part three with a bunch of your satchels of gold about Salt Lake and this Hollywood Reporter interview that had come out this week with a conversation between uh, a network head, a production head, and the showrunner um, from Shed, from Bravo, or rather from NBC Universal Shed, and then the showrunner from Salt Lake, where they talk about the fact that they definitely didn't know about any of this doing dealing with the account and that they were hopeful that, you know, we would figure out a way for Monica to move forward. And hour, an hour? Actually, no, less than that. I think it came out while I was recording um, that Monica people dropped the news that Monica would not be returning. Um, And this is also, P.S., a day that began with L.A. Times publishing an extensive piece about how Monica has created incredible television. So L.A. Times is like, keep her bravo. And then people's like, just kidding. And it's something that Andy confirmed on Watch What Happens live tonight. He used the language that Dorinda and I guess Lisa Renna both appreciate and acknowledge that Monica is taking a quote unquote break, which 
Is it possible she might return? Sure, anything's possible. I would hope for the sake of like humanity, (laughs) basic morality, that if it comes down to the two of them, when it comes to Housewives from Salt Lake on pause, I would rather Monica than Jen in like four and a half years or whenever she finishes her time at sleepaway camp. So anything is possible. But I think if you were watching part three, at least for me, I had a sense certainly toward the tail end of the episode that like Monica gave up. She had a feeling this wasn't going to continue. Probably, I think before the cast was like, absolutely not. We refused to have her remain. But certainly at the end when Andy said, you know, anything else you want to say? Is there any final words, any kind of nuance? And she said, no, people misunderstand me, but I don't have anything to say. I think she knew by the end of the day that she was not going to be a part of the show moving forward. And it is what it is. I mean... Obviously, there are people online who feel very passionately that she should continue. I think this season has been exceptional for many reasons. Um, The reveal obviously being a big point, but to have a fantastic season and a fantastic maybe finale episode, that does not mean that Monica is the right fit moving forward, which is like something that sort of don't doesn't make sense when I say it out loud. How could we have this finale episode that's all based around Monica and see a universe in which the only option moving forward might be moving forward without Monica? Like make that make sense. And on its face, it probably doesn't. And yet I felt like that was the reality of the future of Salt Lake throughout the three episode arc of the reunion it's certainly part three I mean I had big expectations for part three a lot of that was built around information I wasn't necessarily thinking about the complications of what was being what was going to be discussed and I found myself while watching the episode I did like a live recap on Instagram stories and there were so many points where I had to keep going back to rewind because I was like wait, what just happened? And she's saying, what? And what's the reaction where it wasn't necessarily about the release of information, although that was certainly a part of it. It was more just kind of like the strategy and communication style and just kind of vibe that did not make sense to me. And I say that noting, of course, Monica wanted to stay on the show. The cast at points was trying to use that against her of like, and how dare she, you know, want to be on this show so desperately. But I think if you ask any housewife or maybe look at their behavior prior to being cast, there are going to be so many examples of people maybe erring on the side of doing too much to get on the show. Obviously, there's a difference between creating and managing a troll account and like, maybe engaging with someone who you probably knew was toxic from the jump, but just to get close to them with like a long form idea or goal that a relationship with Jen would enable you to in some way be on the show or join the show or really just being close to a Bravo celebrity in that way. I mean, I think a lot of people engage in potentially similar dynamics or have similar strategies. But the way Monica went about doing it, to me, sort of guaranteed that this was going to be a shooting star moment that couldn't return. Like, the way that she was talking about 
um, Reality Von Tees as this like noble effort, but not behaving in a manner that felt in any way noble or ethical or anything else throughout the reunion was tough. Now, did she apologize to the cast? Technically, yes. Absolutely. She repeatedly said, usually while someone was screaming at her, I said I was sorry, you're not listening, whatever else. But her behavior did not necessarily fit the um, example or symbol of accountability that a person could hope for. And I found myself just really kind of nodding at a lot of what Joel Kim Booster was saying on Watch What Happens, because I feel like he got to the heart of an energy that I've been kind of feeling. And this wasn't necessarily discussed in Watch What Happens. But in rewatching the episode, I found myself really kind of focused on Andy's energy on the reunion itself. And I felt like he did such a great job. But the thing that really stood out for me the most was that one, he felt very reasonable. He was saying things to Monica and trying to like explain things to her and also draw out a response that felt promising just for her to stay on the show. I feel like he went into that reunion having an understanding that seemingly everybody on the cast hated her, didn't want to film with her moving forward. But he wanted to figure out if there is a way to make that in any way realistic and also figure out a way to like explain to Monica why some of her explanations genuinely did not make sense. And he did that in a way that I really appreciated. He also held Heather accountable when it came to all of the eye stuff in a way that I certainly appreciated because Monica and Heather actually ended up sort of behaving in a similar way when it came to there are aspects of my behavior I'm going to hold myself accountable for a reason that ties back into the level of toxicity that Jen expected, um, that Jen delivered, the way that Jen was just toxicity in and of itself, the way that friendship might have felt performative, that it, it was it was hollow and that they behaved in manners as a result of being surrounded by Jen that was not hopefully consistent with their character. Like the idea that he said at one point, you know, the TLDR of this is that, you know, a friendship with Jen makes you do crazy things. And there's something to be said for that. Heather did not hold herself (laughs) responsible or accountable for some of her behavior following the eye. She kept saying and referencing, well, I was saying things in a joking manner and I was talking about theories. Now, nothing, a lot of what she said on the show, on social media, in publicizing her book, in video that I remember watching and reposting during her book tour, she was not theorizing. She was stating things and giving a little bit of a a wink, for lack of a better term, into the idea that there's a darkness here and that it involves people attached with the show who are not Jen. And Heather, in her otherwise emotional sort of apology, or apology to Andy production, cast, the audience, her followers on social, her family, she talked about... um, you know, the idea that this was something she was doing from a place of humor and that she was internalizing her 
uh, guilt or shame about what happened with Jen. And that was what she expressed to Monica as a reason why she couldn't extend grace to Monica. She said, you know, you created a troll account. I internalized. But the reality is, as Andy mentioned to her, she didn't internalize or only internalize, certainly throughout her relationship and friendship, whatever you want to call it, with Jen. Did she internalize Jen's behavior? Did she apologize for it? Was she afraid of Jen? Did that lead her to sort of contain herself and not stand up for herself? 100% absolutely. But what Heather did in public was not internalizing. She was externalizing and including other people who had nothing to do with the Jen of it all and sort of turning their innocence on them. And they were in some ways collateral damage for her troubleshooting. Members of the cast who she quite clearly said in episodes knew what happened Um, heavily in plot. That's not a theory. She was saying in confessionals that members of the cast knew what happened. She said that production was aware. She said that there was an Airbnb like contract situation. And that's why, you know, people know what happened. But because of like liability, they had to figure out another way to edit this onto the show. She accused producers. Maybe some of those moments, like I guess if it was a hot producer or something, whatever that joke was, maybe that was humorous. But none of the other aspects were meant to be humorous. Maybe you could say the you'll find out what happened in my book. You could say that was maybe humorous, but people took her literally. People took her literally, took that statement literally as fact that when you read the book, you'll find out what happened. But Heather's point was, I can't extend grace because you and I go about responding to our relationship with Jen in different ways, and you throw other people under the bus and make them feel bad, involve people who you know are innocent. Heather, in that moment, I was like, oh, man, I wish there was a come to Jesus conversation with her. But maybe this is why, in many ways, she's a good housewife, because she is complicated. She is nuanced. She is hypocritical. And when it comes to, like, why can't people give Monica grace, there was a moment earlier in the episode where Heather literally lists and goes through. She has, like, a little mini monologue of, like, here's all the reasons why this is the breakdown checklist of all the things that Monica does. And that is why I would never move forward with someone like this that I thought was incredibly impactful, like incredibly concise, very clearly stated. Honestly, similar to her behavior in the finale, I was like, this woman delivered this very well in a way that I think a lot of people understood. But there is an inherent discrepancy here. And I think the discrepancy for a lot of people has been, why are you all so upset at Monica, but not upset at Jen in the moment when she did so many terrible things, including felonies and illegal acts. And it's a complicated answer. It's one that at points Monica understood. It was interesting because Monica was holding it against the women, which I get, but then also saying, I understand why at points you didn't speak out because you were traumatized, as we all were. The women had different reactions to the kinds of trauma that they endured while having, you know, Jen as a member of their lives, co-star, colleague, however you want to look at it. And they expressed that in different ways. But there was also an incentive attached or a a reward attached even in how they externalized some of that toxicity. And I don't think to that extent that Heather held herself accountable or was fully honest. And I was surprised by 
the number of times that Andy was referencing Heather making accusations about production, which I really appreciated. I'm glad that he did, but he never referenced the cast. I'm surprised the cast didn't do that. But I think at that point, maybe they got the closure they needed and they felt like maybe production stands for all of us too and let's move on. And maybe they felt they didn't need to be specific at that point. They were kind of like, it's, it's, this is over. And also we have sort of bigger fish to fry, but it was a moment when it comes to the extension of grace and the impact of Jen that I found so interesting and honestly powerful. Because when Heather's talking about the fact that she lost herself, she feels like she let herself down. She behaved in a manner that she feels ashamed of and regrets and was like stuck in a cycle of shame of like, I couldn't get out of this. I lied to protect this person because I was afraid of them. And then I did all of these other things except she wasn't like super honest about all the things she did. But putting that aside, she's still a human person. We can hold her accountable and feel other things or not disagree, whatever. But like the way that she was talking about being in this cycle and not being able to get out of it and feeling like the only reason I was able to was because number one, Jen went to jail. And number two, Monica gave her an opportunity. Monica, in doing this whole IG thing, lying about it, not telling anybody and having it being revealed, was a great incentive and opportunity for Heather to finally open up and be honest in a way that she knew would be delivered. You know, I don't know that they knew that was a finale episode when they were filming it, that it was like a finale trip. But I think she understood the gravity of what she was saying and connected it to Monica and also to Jen in a way that was very successful. And I really felt for her. I felt for her and the rest of the cast because the thing about Jen Shaw is... She's a terrible person. And I think a lot of us have felt that for a while. And the reality is what she has done to God only knows how many people across the country, people that she defrauded, lives that have been totally, totally changed as a result of her crimes. Obviously, she's a terrible person for doing that. But prior to us finding that out, she was not great. She was uncomfortable to watch at points. She was explosive in a way that personally made me feel uncomfortable because I was like, this is the kind of energy that I don't like watching on Housewives. I think there's a difference between watching people do things that are not likable and watching an energy that makes a person feel uncomfortable. And I think, you know, Jen kind of walked that line at many points uh, around the show. At many points, uh, the storyline on the show was like people not liking Jen. And I think that's a difficulty, too, when you feel trapped in this, because it's not like everyday life where you have a friend who's toxic and a piece of shit and you're stuck in this spiral and in this cycle and you can't get out of it. There's that. But imagine feeling like you're in this cycle in an environment where you can't get rid of this person. It's not like you can create a boundary of, well, finally, I need to cut ties and they're a piece of shit and I need to move forward in my life. The show is prohibiting that from happening because the foundation of the show, as Heather repeatedly said, and and other members of the cast said as well, is about friendship. So how do you get around this thing if you feel like it's insurmountable? I think that's one of the difficulties that Monica faced is she doesn't have the benefit of being on the show for several years. She doesn't have the benefit of being 
in the relationship that Jen had with the other women. Not that that is goal setting, which is something I think that is confusing to Monica to understand, but that is sort of a good thing when you think about it. She's not Jen. That is a good thing. Comparing Monica to Jen is so unfair to Monica, but the reality is Monica brings with her the burden of Jen. Like Monica's bringing with her not being on the show for several years, but being aligned with Jen for several years, being attached to this troll account that she didn't share the truth of with the cast throughout the season. She says at one point during the union, she was flopping. Like, let's, I need to be incredibly honest. I thought her part three was a flop for Monica. And I don't say that in any way, like, meaning to be cruel. I just think it was tough to watch her flail because she couldn't deliver in the way that she thought she could, and maybe that she thought was expected, where she's like, I need to put on a show. Jen put on a show. It was dark and, you know, toxic and difficult to watch at points. But she also, for Jen, had the benefit of this, like, foundation of we are a circle of friends. I am friends with many of these people. Will we fall out? Will we get back together? Yes, but there is a foundation here. Monica's bringing the baggage of Jen in what she did with the Instagram account and also her relationship with Jen, but doesn't have the foundation of friendship. So when she's arguing with the women about like, you don't think I deserve a spot on this show, I want to be your friend and want to be on the show. One of those things is very true. The other one isn't necessarily true for everyone else in the cast. Not everybody in the cast wants to be friends with each other, but they want to make their jobs work. And a part of that job working is, quote unquote, the friend circle. And Monica you know, had a difficult position going into this because you have to really think to yourself, what's my strategy here? And it felt like her strategy was performing reality Vontees and she forgot how to be a housewife. And I just felt like, oh shit, like housewives can exhibit troll behavior. There are housewives who've been literal trolls. There's housewives who've done terrible things. There are many one and done housewives who have been flops, like just thinking about Diana, thinking about the likelihood of Anne Marie. Although Andy is pushing Anna Marie having some sort of like amazing second arc in Spain, like no other. So we will see what happens with that. Um, (laughs) Do I have hopes? Absolutely not. But I really am curious. He's trying to make Anna Marie a thing. And I'm like, it's not, sir, it is not a thing. This situation is not a thing. This season with this, the fucking esophagus is just simply not a thing. But, you know, with, with Monica, I felt like there were so many moments that were tough because I felt like Andy was trying to help her. Like, I really do. In holding her accountable and saying, like, come on, this, this doesn't make sense what you're saying does not feel honest, and trying to help her be a housewife with that center role of like humanity and stakes. And Monica did a disservice by, to me, showing up and feeling like she needed to put on a show. Now, maybe she did that because she felt like she had no other choices. Maybe she did that because she was obviously aware the cast didn't want to fuck with her. They didn't want to do anything with her, film with her, do press lines with her, sit next to her at BravoCon. She understood she was isolated on an island. So maybe the performance was for us. Maybe she felt like, and maybe she was counseled to do this by people who felt like, listen, the cast, it doesn't necessarily want you back, but you can still perform. Like she felt like this was the ultimate performance was to do the dumb burn book, which was such a joke that did not come across well. It felt 
so stupid. And it felt like you're you're sort of trying to make a point here, but you're really trying to make an LOL. And if we're trying to have a conversation about stakes, why aren't you starting with the end of the episode first? You're talking about like Heather made some solid points. One of them was, you know, the whole thing with this um Instagram account was the idea that like you hate someone who is toxic behavior and is trolling, but you keep repeating that behavior and being proud of it. So like, how does that make sense? And I don't think it does. I think that is a valid, important point, as is the point of why can't Heather extend grace to Monica that she's extending to herself? Like, there were inconsistencies here and contradictions within many members of the cast responses, which made the episode really fucking interesting. I found myself at sort of the beginning part of when it came to all things reality Vontees, not totally understanding what Heather was saying because there were points where she was like, yes, and the, you know, the Instagram account said this, and then we're referencing a screenshot that you know, Monica and her pals posted showing the way that um, Jen was being very abusive and talking about her quote unquote friends and members of the cast. And Heather to me was saying like, you did this, you said this. And Monica was saying, I didn't. What I was trying to point out was your so-called friend was really fucking toxic. And I don't know that Heather entirely understood that, or I don't know that I understood what Heather was saying. But then she got into the idea of like what you did as a result of sharing that over and over and over again was humiliating to me. It was upsetting. And then Monica did this thing that drove me insane, which was instead of sort of owning that, she said at one point, well, you guys loved the account. And I don't think that's true. I think that Angie loved when Reality Von Tees was dragging Angie H. I think Angie K was like all up in that, which she also <laughs> admitted to. And we had screenshots shown to us that backed that up. But if you look at the way that Andy was showing like the DM thread from Heather's phone, it was hundreds and hundreds of tags that Heather didn't acknowledge. So wouldn't you think that if you're talking about a troll account, about running, helping run or running a troll account, and you're attempting sort of to express remorse, but not really, it's more delight, and you're trying to reference the ways that members of the cast are being hypocritical, not to say that all of those um, references are invalid, but to say that not all of them, to me, worked, to say that they delighted in this thing that they seemingly barely acknowledged is not not great. Like, I really don't think that Monica understood entirely what it takes. And because this whole reveal in the finale exposed maybe her performance on Housewives as being a fraud, she had to decide for herself before the reunion, do I want to continue that? Do I want to avoid responsibility and accountability? Or do I want to do a reset and say, listen, you guys saw my relationships with my kids. I struggle. I don't have the money or the resources that other members of the cast have, and that makes me feel a certain way. I don't have a relationship, and I engage in this affair. That makes me feel a certain way. You know, her leaving or being expelled from, excommunicated rather, from the Mormon church and then coming back makes her feel a certain way, like that she is more of a human person that has more depth, and she removed that depth from herself. She just fully was like, no, that's not what it's about. She's both trying to explain the ways that 
IG, her IG was sort of a noble pursuit, but that's kind of where the nobility ends or maybe like the human person of it all ends because then she went straight back into playing a character. And I just thought like, you're not successful enough at this or you might be so successful as a character that you just kind of go out in flames, but that's not going to help you return. Like, what's your goal here? Is your goal to try to attempt some sort of human response to this? Is it an attempt to just like put on a big show? Are you hoping that the putting on a big show helps you return to the show itself or is just kind of your final act as a housewife? How do you think that went? I mean, they had this great moment of connection toward the tail end of the episode where Monica's like, listen, we were both traumatized by Jen and and Heather, you might hate me forever, but like we see each other. Why not start with that? Why not acknowledge that at any other point? And maybe that's easy for me to say. Of course it is. I'm an outsider. I also don't have the stakes invested in this that Monica does. I mean, I think staying on the show is a pretty big fucking deal for Monica financially. In other ways, she feels seen. She feels celebrated. She feels criticized. But that also comes with attention, which I think she values at a pretty high level going off of her behavior, her responses and everything on social. Like, but also going into the reunion, I mean, there is the benefit of the fact that the reunion for Monica, I guess, when it comes to timing, like the reunion obviously was filmed prior to her reveals on social, but her behavior on social was to celebrate being reality Vontees, to do these like, you know, XOXO gossip girl photos, not to say there was a reason that I was this person because of this really toxic, strained relationship with Jen. And I'm ashamed of it or embarrassed by it, or that's not me. That's not only me. It's something I did, but it's not who I am. People might take, you know, critique to that, but they're going to criticize her regardless. That would have put the rest of the cast in a position to at least hear her. Now, they went into the reunion. They ended the reunion with like, there's no way. She's definitely not continuing. They might have continued saying that um, at the end of a reunion, that could have included more moments of vulnerability and like accountability for Monica. They might have said the same thing, but it would have been harder for them too. Because if she had just come in saying, listen, I did this thing. I'm not proud of it. There were I didn't think that you guys would like me if I shared it with you and I made a mistake. I think the reunion could have gone in a slightly different direction. That didn't happen because Monica maybe thought it was an option, didn't think it was an option. That might have happened because she didn't want to extend that to them. At this point, she was probably like, fuck you. I'm going to go do whatever. I'm going to deep dive this, you know, double down. But I don't know. I felt really genuinely like she was running a sprint and forgot that she could have been training for a marathon. And I that was that was tough. It was tough. But also some of her reactions to things were so fucking tough. I mean, listen, there's a lot. I'm not going to get to all of it. Thank God for the many, many episodes of these girls to come with people who are going to have thoughts and feels um, that I'm excited to unpack. But like, oh man, listen, logging into the security system, Monica saying she owned it or something because it was in her name 
referencing when they did the flashback to the private jet to see was it Snoop who Lisa I guess had been like humble bragging to Jen in her house or something about like taking a private jet I think to see Snoop perform or maybe like hang out with Snoop I have no idea maybe go to dinner but does Snoop watch Bravo by the way because I feel like he would love it I would look can you imagine watch what happens with like Snoop Dogg talking about Bravo I would throw down for that that would be incredible iconic uh, television for us But to say that, first off, she has the ability, um, she's allowed, I guess, to maybe track Jen's movements because Jen asked her to put a security system in her name. I mean, first off, at what point did we decide Jen was bad? Like, if a person is asking you to, this is where, like, accountability steps in, too, of, like, you might be in, and that applies to Heather and Monica in different ways, but, like, Uh, being in a toxic relationship with someone does not mean that you shouldn't be held accountable for your behavior in that cycle before, after. And a big part of Heather's upset in relation to Monica was like, and this person wanted to be on the show. So she befriended someone who she knew was a big character who she probably knew was so against boundaries that Monica could find a place with her that maybe they had that shared connection Um, and that could enable her maybe to like come on the show or whatever else. And that that was an example of just like a super fan being extremely toxic and at one point being temporarily rewarded with it with a full-time slot. All that being said, if you're employer but not employer because you're not getting paid and you're saying you're not working to her, but like none of that is making sense and we need to circle back at some point, to say that it's sort of okay to be watching this woman's security footage because you have access to it. And also, if it's in her name, is she paying for it? She's calling it her security system. I'm like, did this, did did Jen ask you to pay for her security? None of that is healthy or understandable or seemingly recognizable. But it, it appears she was, I mean, is there another word for stalking? closely observing this person and crossing boundaries that Monica is attempting to say were in pursuit of justice. But that does not make sense. Like, if you are watching this person's security footage, ideally, in a perfect world, you're saying that was wrong. Even if I was paying for it, I should not have been watching someone in their private home. Full stop. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. 
Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa, obvs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic non-stick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And when they did the flashback of like the Lisa private jet thing, the look in in uh, Monica's eyes when Lisa's like, I never told you that 
when she's like standing in the line in the crepe line at the crepe factory or whatever it was called, like the pancake factory, but they're like fancy French. I mean, c'est bon, c'est bon. Um, I've never actually been to the pancake factory. I don't know if that is that a New England thing or national or it might not even exist anymore. But that was a thing at one point in Rhode Island. I think that's what it was called. Or spaghetti factory. Some sort of marketplace for a carb for an American carbohydrate. Um with some syrup or some sauce. So why at that point, I mean, that to me was a, a real significant red flag of like this person is doing things that just cross lines well before being on Housewives. You can't argue that you're doing this because you're in a the show and you feel like you need to deliver drama. And then to attempt to normalize it is like, okay, we're talking about Jen being toxic, but like some of this other stuff is tough, including repeatedly driving by Jen's house maybe many times. I mean, Heather saying she had a dozen or dozens of examples of that. I don't know if it was that much, but a couple times is more than enough. Monica saying, well, that's something that you do with an ex. I mean, first off, I would really highly encourage that people not drive by the homes of folks that they have dated, but also you were not in that kind of relationship with Jen. I would encourage not trying to track someone's movements without their awareness or consent. I I would encourage not doing that. I would encourage staying away from that kind of behavior. And, you know, Monica seemed to say that one of the reasons she was doing it was because Jen owed her money. Now, I don't know why spying on someone and making like joke videos with little binoculars or whatever how that's going to help your Bank of America checking account. But putting that aside, to say that you're doing this on the advice of the FBI to catch a woman, I guess, drinking Merlot in her kitchen because you're hoping she's drinking and driving or you're hoping that she chooses to do that because that's a crime. If the FBI said, you know, if you have any evidence of anything please send it. To pull out from that, I need to, Nancy Drew style, track this woman's steps does not make sense. I doubt that an FBI agent went as far as what Monica said they may have done, but also Monica's not acknowledging that she went far further than she should. She's trying to explain this all away as like the right move, and you flop to me with that. Like, also, if you're hoping that this person is, I mean, are, I, I would assume that if in a cartoon character style thing, this person comes out with like a bottle of wine and gets into a car, a bottle of open wine, I guess, and maybe a wine glass. I mean, it's complicated when you think about it. I, I would hope that your first call would be to the police, right? If you're trying to report something, maybe that was the point. But like, how otherwise would you know if Jen was drinking and then going into if you're trying to get her drinking and driving, going to her house where her car is stationary in the driveway? How would that work? Do you have a spiritual breathalyzer? Like. If if you're trying to track her at home, she probably isn't in the car, you know, she's probably in that house. 
So drinking and it just didn't see the stuff like didn't add up. But she said it in a way that was supposed to excuse or really explain all of the receipts that were shared. And it's like, maybe don't. Maybe not. Maybe try to do something that feels honest. She did this thing. I saw this look in Monica's eyes because I'm a terrible liar. It's why I get in trouble 99% of the time, not for lying, but for being gutturally honest in a way that like might hurt someone's feelings. But I don't intend for it to hurt someone's feelings. But I've had this thing throughout my life of like, I just sort of give a guttural response without thinking. I just sometimes speak without thinking or I speak with (laughs) some element of thinking, but maybe not also thinking how that is going to come out. I mean, welcome to literally every other episode of Andy's Girls. Um, Just in terms of the inner monologue, I am not internalizing (laughs) for this audio podcast. But my, I, so I, I can't lie. I, there are tells that I have. Honestly, thinking of the tells that my mom told me as a teenager or a tween that I had, they totally tracked. There were like two things that I did that she was like, this is when I know you're lying. And I was like, oh, snap, like fully. And I wouldn't have recognized it because I don't have that ability <laughs> to know that I have a tell. But when she told me, I was like, oh, that's actually helpful for me to know so that I could, I guess, work on it. But I never did. So I still have those tells today. I lie the same way I did when I was 12. Like, the same way, did you do your homework? Uh, uh, the, the same way. It's the same thing. And I also do this thing that I will share. Um, this is not the like magician tell all <laughs> telling the secrets. And I think this is something that many people do, which is like when you feel like all eyes are on you, maybe you're lying, maybe you're not. Maybe it's just like you feel uncomfortable and you feel like your perception or your reality is that like truly people are watching you and it's not it's an awkward situation is that I'm one of those people where I'm like, oh, my God, I can't swallow because everybody's looking at me and it's going to be so much bigger and more obvious. So my neck sort of tenses. It like just gets tense. It just is like sort of rigid and straight. And like you can kind of see it in my eyes. I'm kind of like a not a startled deer, maybe a doe, but just some some kind of probably more of a squirrel, honestly, if I'm being terribly honest. And I saw some of that Sarah Squirrel energy in Monica, where it's like they were saying things to her. And she was, to me, my perception, my opinion, my two shekels, obviously lying and trying to decide whether or not to tell the truth or how to get out of this. A lot of that was based around receipts. A lot of that was based around, here's an audio, is that your voice? Or why did you do this thing? Or say that again about the FBI. And she just was so rigid because I think she was trying to decide how to get out of this without doing the thing that must might be the hardest thing to do, but probably the most beneficial for her, again, with that marathon, was to be totally honest. But if you come in with this burn book, obviously, your strategy is not going to be like, let me take a, you know, I'm taking an L on this. I made some mistakes. Um, was I, did I have some sort of like righteous plan or plan to seek vengeance on Jen? Or, you know, did I care about humiliating members of the cast if it served the need to out who Jen is? Like a lot of that's still complicated. But if you're coming in with the burn book and a prop where you're like using Lisa Barlow's high school picture and calling yourself a fugly slut, like you think that's funny. It did not. It was so to me, genuinely so dumb And it does not help her in the end because she's just continuing to add on this lie, at least this thing I hope is a lie, which is that reality Von Teese is not all who Monica is. Like that's the disservice that she did for herself by 
wanting people to feel like she is that kind of person and she will continue to behave in that manner. That makes me feel kind of like sad for her because I do think she's stunted. And her reactions to things, Joel Kim Booster, also known as JKB, according to Andrew, very much, again, could not more highly recommend that episode, talked about the fact that Monica to him appeared emotionally stunted, understandable reasons why when you get more of a window into her relationship with mom, her mom, things that she's gone through, um, you know, as a child, also as an adult, uh, some of her behavior and the ways that she's acted out as a response, things that she's seemed proud of, but that pride is probably hopefully covering some element of guilt and shame. Uh, You know, the performance of it all, she was the way that she talked about the affair, for example. And I guess she had more meaningful conversation with Heather, which she mentioned at one point earlier in the reunion, I believe, but it wasn't shown during the season, during any episodes. But he compared her behavior to Brandy Glanville, which I understood of like, sometimes a person just kind of like, acts out. They're not able to communicate how it is that they feel. And they just want to attack other people. Like that is their reaction. That's their defense mechanism. And maybe they also take some element of joy in that. There's that. I don't disagree. But I also thought some of her reactions were giving me Dodd energy of like someone is saying something to you. So you you pick up the lowest hanging fruit. You're ugly. You're old. You're stupid. You're wrinkled. You're orange. Whatever, whatever else. She showed that when she was under those very, very bright lights during the finale episode. And it was also shown during the reunion where like someone would say something to her. Barlow had some uh, good points, too, throughout the episode. And her response was just to say these like ugly, you know, go fuck yourself. I don't think she called anybody a cunt, but like sort of low level cunt energy of like, I'm just going to swear at this person, call them ugly, tell them to eat a dick or suck a dick, whatever, prepare a dick accordingly, whatever seamless Uber Eats caviar can provide. And that is going to be the way to shut them down. But it's so sophomoric and like dumb. That to me is not smart energy, but also if you are acting like a child at points and responding to things with like, just shut the fuck up, uh, that's not, we're not talking high level kind of responses here, which I honestly get. She feels like she's under attack. What does she owe these women? But also what does she owe herself? God, I loved part three. That's actually occurring to me now (laughs) while recording this episode. Because I think there's a lot I haven't said, and it's all just so goddamn fascinating because I felt like nobody really came out of that with their hands clean, which is sort of a best case scenario for a reunion where it's like, huh, I don't know in what direction this cast or show is going to go into. That is a curiosity to me. Also, Shout out to the cast. And I'm glad that Andy uh, repeatedly acknowledged this on episodes of Watch What Happens during maybe during the reunion or, or in press or whatever else of like, thanks for not dropping the reveal of what happens. Now, unfortunately, one of the folks involved in this kind of circle of knowing Jen, maybe being in reality Vontees, I forget, did post the week leading into the uh, the finale episode, like the true finale, not the reunion finale, that Monica was behind Reality Von Tees. I 
am still kind of upset about that because maybe they didn't have an understanding of what was going to happen at the reunion because it wasn't in media or press. There were no rumors about it. But that to me, I was like, oh, shit, I wish I didn't see that because I'm so anti-spoiler. I'm a big, big, proud member of anti-spoiler culture. And um, in that moment, I was like, oh, shit. But also, how cool is it that we don't have any Rinna's in the cast or... I mean, honestly, anybody from the old original version of New York or New Jersey of people who just want to feed information to the blogs or press. They no no one in that cast said anything, including Monica, who you could argue had a potentially a vested interest in saying something so that she could work on a defense strategy. She didn't do that. I think she should be applauded for that. Everybody in the cast. I'm thankful that they at least I don't know that. It was like respecting the audience or trying to protect their jobs because they knew that it was going to be like a whole big reveal or they simply didn't feel the need to like tell anybody about it. That, I think, was a huge, huge benefit to the audience that we did not have a lot of information on what was happening, which certainly helped with the experience of watching the episodes, certainly watching the finale. And... I mean, what is there to say about Monica? It's tough. It's tough to say at the tail end of the episode, I want to be their friends without providing examples of that over the course of this three-episode reunion arc. To say that as a flyaway, I mean, listen, have members of this cast and other casts expressed an interest in being friends with someone they absolutely hate? Sure. But do they have the kind of pressure on them to really prove that, that Monica did at that point? No. They could lie and get away with it, which any number of housewives do on every single franchise known to mankind and the ones to come, of attempting to say that a person X cares about moving forward with person Y because that's how they know they can move forward or at least be in a purgatory space in moving forward on the show. Like maybe you're not hanging out with this person every day. Maybe the extent of your close friendship is close on the show during filming because you have an ally, but maybe you're not going to brunch. Like Kyle has been straight up (laughs) talking about the fact that she is annoyed at Dorit for saying that Morgan replaced her on the show because in Kyle's words, I listened to her interview today on Watch on um, a Jeff Lewis Live on Radio Andy, that in her words, she was like, we were never that close. We seemed close on the show, but I never called Dorit. She was never my first call. She was never someone who I genuinely had in my life after filming went down, which I honestly was surprised by. But it's that kind of colorization of a person's friendship, the benefit of appearing close on camera and maybe being close on camera. You can have good friends and be a housewife on a franchise with someone you consider a good friend who you might not hang out with except for when filming happens. Maybe you're going to lunch or tea or doing a daily call during filming to talk about the show or talk about relationships or reveals, but they're not the person that you're calling at six o'clock in the morning um, on a Wednesday when filming is down. They're not the person who's taking you to doctor's appointments or, you know, the person you're crying to, maybe about your relationship or marriage or whatever else. And Kyle has expressed a level of upset at Dorit for attempting to use against her the perception of her close relationship with Kyle, which Kyle says was never real, and that Dorit knows that, and that's upsetting, whatever else, blah, blah, blah. 
And with Monica and the cast of Salt Lake and the cast, the remaining cast of Salt Lake, I think next season is potentially going to be really interesting for them because I do think that everyone in that cast has bonded and come together as a result of Monica's reveal and behavior, certainly behavior on the reunion, in a way that I genuinely believe. Like, I believe Heather when she says, I love these women because I think they've been through this kind of event that regardless of how you feel about it, even though how you feel about it does matter, <laughs> does have an impact in how you feel about what I'm, I'm going to say next, that it, it bonds you together. And maybe, her, you know, Heather and Lisa's relationship will be at a different place. Doesn't mean it's not going to be without tension. Maybe they'll go back to some of their old kind of fights and arguments or whatever else. But I do believe them when they say that there's a level of trust. Now, they've also been through four seasons now of Housewives. That can bring people together, even people you might not ordinarily fuck with because who else in your situation is going to have who else is in your situation there's a hundred something housewives and how many bajillions of views and of fans exist but the people who are actually the ones on screen who have to deal with the fallout from the edit or whatever else can really understand what you've experienced and you know the unfortunate thing with monica is that she did not perform at a way in a way that provided her the opportunity or hope to scratch or claw back any ounce of connection with the cast. She could have thought to herself, listen, you know, it's not going to happen. They fucking hate me, whatever else. And I don't feel like giving them anything because I don't want them to feel good about me feeling bad in this. But also, maybe I can do this for myself or maybe I can reposition who I am because Reality Von Tees is maybe a part of me, but it's not the entirety of me. She really, to me, did an incredible disservice by thinking of herself as the troll account and not really thinking of herself outside of it, and then just trying to continue it. Or maybe the burn book wasn't an example of her trying to be a troll account. Maybe it was just her performance of how she wanted to be a housewife. But I think she spent too much time with Jen because you're complaining about this person's toxic behavior. But and this is total apples and oranges, snowflakes and whatever the opposite of a snowflake is, a raindrop. I mean, I, well, condensation. I, it's just uh, a snowflake and a jelly bean or something. <laughs> it's just apples and, you know, sugary, um, refined sugar delights. It just is not the same. It, it's not the same thing, but also she seemed to pick up or at least embrace some character traits in Jen that make a person wonder why she chose Jen to begin with. Because if she's saying, I was, you know, friends with this person, but I wasn't really friends with this person, but then it seemed like I was friends with this person and then I worked for her, but I didn't work for her and I was never paid. And then I always wanted to be on the show in proximity to her. And how dare you try to shame me with that? And it's like a conversation of class warfare and whatever else, like, you know, Snugglies. Oh, God, I forgot the name of it. Apologies. What? What's the company? People are saying it out loud while you're listening to this. Not a snuggly, a, a not a spoony, uh, the baby, the baby blanket, which is not me making light of it. I truly shout out to all the kids. Um, I don't have them. I am a spiritual aunt. I'm spiritual Auntie Sarah energy. But like her company, you know, there were moments that she was picking up and feeling like, oh, these people feel like I'm not enough. You're talking about my lack of resources. You're talking about the fact that I don't have as much as you. 
And I think perhaps there was an element of that there. But what Heather was talking about more was like, we're not at the same level because the way I think of morality and behavior, I would not do what you did. You know, like all of that being all fine and good. The Monica of it all was so difficult to watch because, damn, she just truly didn't step up in a way that might have genuinely helped her at the end. But maybe she wanted to be Reality Von Tees more than she wanted to be on the show. I don't believe that as I say that out loud. I really genuinely don't. I think she thought the way to stay on the show was to embrace this, or she thought she didn't have a choice otherwise. But ugh, that's tough. Because then you're showing the limits of, of being a troll account. Because if the name of the account is a troll account, and maybe you're not like identifying as that, but... If everybody else is, and that's the way it's being positioned, and you're at, you're exhibiting troll-esque behavior, maybe it sort of makes sense why Jen was the one that she chose. Maybe there is, like, within her, and not just within, the kinds of behaviors that feel boundary-crossing, that just feel off, that feel dark. And that's tough. And there are how many, how many complicated, fucked up, toxic housewives are there? So many. Every franchise has them. I mean, my God, it's like a goodie bag. It's, you, you got, you got some different prizes on some of these casts. And one could argue that a person needs that to have conflict. But is that really who you want to base your behavior and relationship on, especially if the point of the account is to call that stuff out, then we shouldn't be embracing it. We should be saying, if I exhibited some of that behavior, in my pursuit to show that Jen was bad, I am sorry for that. But she couldn't really do it because she didn't want her behavior in the like drive-bys, in the FBI of it all, and whatever else. She didn't want it to be perceived as wrong. She was trying to hold on to this idea of her behavior and her work as commendable or reasonable, maybe. I don't know. Again, another reason why I really, really thought that Andy stood out. I just really, he certainly didn't agree with her behavior, but I felt like he was being honest with her. And I think she took it as something that she needed to be defensive about because she wanted to own what she did and present it as reasonable. And I think if you're in that situation, like how could you respond to Andy in a reasonable manner. But what he was doing was trying to help her. He really was. And I don't think he agreed with her behavior. I think he was trying to show her like, this doesn't make sense. Some of what you're saying and some of your behavior and everything else. I think he was trying to, for the for the sake of the show, honestly, I think he was trying to help her and she just couldn't take the help. And I mean, the end of the episode, how do you feel? I promised you that I would attempt to make sure your voice was heard. How do you feel? I feel like things were misconstrued. Okay, how can we help alleviate that? I have nothing more to say. You know, she might have been exhausted. She might have just felt like these people hate me. I'm, I fucked this or this situation is fucked. I don't see a future ahead. I mean, there was a point where he's like, are you going to um, go back uh, have your own kind of like girls trip with your daughters and see your family off camera. 
And the way she laughed, because when he said, are you going to go on a trip? And it can be off camera. I think he was not intending for that to be in any way, any kind of shade about her not being on the show. What he was trying to say was you can have a private moment with your family that you guys can keep for yourselves. And she received it as a little bit of an insult because, yeah, the only opportunity that she might have in the future to visit family that she's been estranged from for a number of years is not going to involve a camera crew. And I think that was a moment for her of like, fuck, yeah, LOL, I roll. It's not going to be on camera because I'm not going to continue to be on the show. And that's not by choice, obviously. He did use the language again. I said this earlier. He did use the language of put on pause. I think that they have hope there, maybe that there could be a future, but I don't know in a year where we're going to be with Monica. The cast did too good a job of explaining why for all of their behaviors and internalizing and apologizing for and forgiving Jen for her many, many sins, the fact that they did not want to continue that, they're not entirely saying that it's contradictory. They might be acknowledging in some ways that the level of grace that Jen took for herself, that they followed her with, versus the lack of potential grace that they're um, extending to Monica, I don't know how much of that they are acknowledging as hypocritical versus acknowledging as a change in behavior that they want to pursue. Of we did this before. We're not equalizing Jen and Monica, although on that Watch What Happens that I keep referencing, I only saw it once because, again, I'm recording this late on Tuesday, but there was a moment that gave me pause where, like, Heather, as a flyaway comment, and I might be fucking this up, so I apologize. Apologize. You can tell me to go fuck myself. It won't be the sixth time today. But um, there was a moment where Heather said at some point, it was like a flipping comment, and Andy's re- reaction, his eyes were like, what the fuck? Where she said, well, at least Jen was honest about who she was. Monica wasn't. And that took me back. I was like, sweetie, we're not giving Jen grace for being a monster, especially because she wasn't being honest about who she was. You're telling me the day that she changed her plea to guilty, she was saying she was not guilty. And then on Watch What Happens Live, live television, you're saying, well, at least Jen admitted she was a monster. I thought the whole thing here was that she didn't. (laughs) And she was. I think we can all acknowledge that. But I don't know that that's really the serve that you think it is. But I can appreciate, certainly, a group of women banding together and saying, not again. You know, it's not the same thing. Monica did not commit a crime if unless, you know, a bad reunion performance is a misdemeanor, which it certainly is not. If you're saying this person did things that crossed a line and we don't want to deal with that anymore, and it it feels like it's too involved in breaking the fourth wall, that it's so much about external things of like social media and how did you get cast in the show and everything else and there's nothing else here that it's like not we had a crazy dinner on camera and she said a thing and then in a later scene and later this is entirely so outside the universe of housewives that hurts monica so if you're saying we don't want to do this stuff outside the housewives universe and we also don't want to deal with behavior that feels similar to what we dealt with from Jen on Housewives, how do you how do you really kind of drag that? You might disagree with it. 
you might say this is just an organically toxic atmosphere. I mean, Heather's saying at one point that the worst part of dealing with housewives is dealing with the toxic fandom in social media. I have no doubt that that is in many ways accurate. I have no doubt that that is a terrible part. And it feels like a part that you have no choice but to participate in. It's like one of the jobs of being on Housewives is seemingly being accessible to the fandom, hopefully not being a vessel for hate, although that's absolutely what happens in reality, but also like, you know, promoting the show and posting photos and giving people a glimpse of their of your life in addition to showing it on TV to do so on Instagram or Twitter or threads or TikTok or whatever the fuck else. Facebook's still around. I don't know. Mate's memory, not be a blessing, whatever. You know, that I'm sure is a distraction and a deterrent. And Heather's talking about you would get women of a different caliber, that maybe some class stuff or whatever, but just like people who are maybe more private, who could be convinced to joining an incredibly public endeavor if they feel like they are protected in some way by the network or just by the community or audience. I totally acknowledge that. I also think the ways that fans engage with each other on social, trying to parrot toxic behavior that they see from their housewives, um, favorite housewife. I mean, it, it is a little 101 Dalmatians of that scene where like you watch all the owners walk by with their dogs and the owner and dog look pretty much identical. And you have a sense of how this relationship began or how it currently is, where you're sort of like you know, becoming each other in a, in a specific way. There is that when you deal with um, fans on social and when fans deal with other fans or with housewives where it's like, if you're standing for person X, oftentimes you're exhibiting the most toxic behavior that that person has done on social or on the show or whatever else. And you're proud of that. You're like owning it, own it, own it. And you're celebrating it, which to me is so odd. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm too old for this and I'm spiritually mid twenties plus. Although I do think it is an ageless by Ramona occupation of people just fighting with each other and being cruel with strangers, including people you see on TV, including content creators or whatever else, and just fighting with each other and exhibiting just toxicity. I don't understand it. I, God, that's what shopping is for, therapy, a copay. I don't find that entertaining, but maybe that's because I have the benefit of other outlets. So I can kind of get some of that stuff out. Like I'm not, I'm not that personality type. I'm not gonna rage in someone's comments. Now I might lob a couple LOLs, like when I asked Teddy if I can have a carrot um as a special snack when it came out that her business was an eating disorder factory and they were advising people to only eat carrots on special occasions because of the sugar comparing a carrot to like a fucking slice of cake and p.s there's a time and a place for a slice of cake so you know will i have those moments or like what the hell are you doing dorit with like posting that caption and like that's a mess but to just rage at each other and fight with each other is not um, unique to the Bravo community, but it certainly exists in the Bravo community. And I thought about that point which Heather made, which I thought was accurate um, and certainly appreciated by Andy. I mean, there's no bigger example to me of someone who has truly been through it as a result of being on Housewives in completely unconscionable ways than what Garcelle and her sons have experienced. That to me is like 
the number one example of the worst case scenario posed to a housewife, certainly a housewife of color, in joining the show of this is what could happen to you. That is like unacceptable. And we still don't know P.S. who was behind it. So like, was it a fan? Was it someone? I don't, I, I really, I truly have no idea. But certainly, regardless of that terrible incident, there have been many others where she has just been dragged to hell on social and many housewives have been. And it can be tough for people to feel like they even, why can't people unleash online? Why can't people do whatever the fuck they want? Isn't that the permission slip you get when signing up to watch these shows that you are allowed to behave in certain ways? And also that's just the nature of social media, unfortunately, is that it is very toxic. It is not specific and unique to Bravo. It's sort of Maybe the point of social media is getting the benefit of sitting behind a computer screen, LOL, also known as your phone, and just saying these things because you don't have the pressure of saying it to someone's face. It's why typically, unless you're a housewife filming a reunion or maybe a brunch at that crepe extravaganza, um, maybe you feel like this is the this is the thing that I get to do because I watch the show. This is my reward is to behave in this manner. And, you know, it is what it is. Are there other ways that I can be toxic in relationships? A hundred percent. That's just not my love language. <laughs> like, I just don't do that online trolling, which is why the Monica of it all is tough because the ways that the cast was trying to hold her accountable for her behavior was confusing when it comes to like, what did the account actually do? But then when it came to the stuff that Monica did IRL, not behind a computer screen, certainly sending voice notes to friends or videos or, you know, evidence of arguments with her mom to maybe many, many friends. It's complicated. The mom stuff I got into, I posted that um, Patreon episode that I mentioned earlier tonight with a bunch of satchels. And I want to revisit it because Lisa's reveal about production new is so fascinating to me. That's also based on Monica saying that production new. I thought it was amazing that that was included in the episode because that's a drag that I want to explore. Um, But, you know, there was a satchel about someone saying, you know, I feel like a conspiracy theorist, but, you know, I think production knew. I'm referencing this Hollywood Reporter piece and saying, okay, well, they went on the record and said this and this. And I understand what you're saying because of the reference to Scandaval and like, was Ariana, you know, did Sheena have a private lunch with Ariana off camera to be like, listen, I have suspicions, whatever else, X, Y, Z, trust, accountability. Um, all of that being said, the reveal of like production maybe new is fascinating, but that is also according to Monica. And can Monica be honest about things? Sure. But how many of these examples of Monica's reveal serve the purpose of helping Monica? Maybe the um production new because I told casting in our like first follow-up of appointment or whatever, maybe that has the benefit of like helping Monica and also being based in truth 100%. It also might not. I don't know, but it's fascinating. And the fact that that was included in the episode, I was like, what? There were a couple moments where I genuinely thought, my goodness, this is wild. (laughs) And this is the app. Listen, there was a lot that I didn't get into allegedly, but I honestly can't think of anything (laughs) that comes to mind. But I am very confident (laughs) 
<laughs> there is. So let me know your thoughts and feels because I, when it comes to Heather's internalization and quote unquote absurd humor or, oh God, I didn't even get into the Angie of it all. The, um, stuff about her relationship with Sean and the Meredith, the DMs and all of that. Monica continuing to say that wasn't me. I didn't create a Finsta, the timing of it. Fuck, man. Again, some of this and saying, you know, I didn't start the rumor, but I did say it on camera. But I'm trying to say that that didn't have a big impact. And Andy explaining how big of an impact it really did. There's a lot to unpack. So send me your Salt Lake City satchels of gold because I need to record a Patreon satchel spectacular spectacular ASAP. ASAP, ASAP, ASAP. I want to know your thoughts. I want to know your thoughts on Monica's quote unquote break. Is it permanent? Is it temporary? Is it a pause? Is it a retirement? Who's to say? Who knows? But also maybe we have some thoughts and your reaction to the reveal about Heather's eye, your reaction to the gen of it all, your reaction to Monica's behavior during the reunion. Um, Whitney P.S. was giving great reaction face. She was so quiet, but then she had some like great points at the tail end that I appreciated. But like, but Whitney and um, Meredith's hand holding was a sweet moment. And then I started thinking about both hands by Annie DeFranco, Annie DeFranco in my head while that was happening. Um, so listen, slide into my DMs on Instagram at Dame Galley. Send me a message on Patreon at patreon.com slash Scrolls. That's also where you can hear these Satchel Spectaculars. And as a reminder, Satchels of Gold are AG thoughts and feels, questions and concerns about all things Housewives and Bravo and more. And oh, man, what an episode. I'm so sad Salt Lake City is over, but I'm so thankful that there are going to be convos about it on AG to come because it was truly a season for the books. And on that note, guys, thanks so much for listening. 500 is your very next episode. Is it a two-parter? It absolutely is. And then you've got about 15,000 episodes after. So if you're not subscribed to AG, because you know my post schedule is typically Tuesdays and Saturdays and then several other days of the week, the best way to get those drops is by subscribing to AG. Um, thanks in advance for being Patreon AGs to those of you who support AG through the Patreon. You are the reason that I'm able to record so many of these um, surprise drop episodes. And oh, conversation will continue. Oh, no. Am I doing it to be continued? Alas, I absolutely am. All right, guys. Happy Salt Lake City reunion night. We will chat soon. Bye-bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.